You are listening to How Does She Do It? Episode 52. Welcome to the ride. Thank you for listening to another episode of How Does She Do It? A podcast dedicated to sharing practical insight and honest perspective on being grown. My name is Tiffany and I am your host. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. If this is your fourth, fifth, sixth, 37th time listening, welcome back. We are happy to have you. And if you have not had an opportunity to leave a five-star rating and review in the Apple Podcast app, please feel free to do so. It's much easier than it used to be if you search for How Does She Do It and tap the one that has my face on it and says Practical Insight and Honest Perspective on Being Grown, and you scroll to the bottom of the episode page, you'll be able to just leave a rating there and also write a review if you wish. If you have questions, topics, comments, thoughts on the episode, please feel free to send me an email to Tiffany at How Does She Do It Podcast.com. And I will look forward to hearing from you. Now, usually I would do a just my thoughts segment of the show, but this episode is a little is going to be a little different because it is a conversation that I am having with Minda Hartz, who is she calls herself the glass breaker. She's the founder and CEO of the Memo, which is an organization that is dedicated to helping women of color prepare for their seat at the table. So they do so by helping provide access to mentors, education, and networking in ways that help women advance their careers. And we talked about so many great things in this conversation, and I can't wait for you to get to it. But we talked about building community. We talked about the importance of investing in yourself, the importance of taking care of your body, taking time to rest, which is a really, this is really important at this time of year as we kind of wind down 2017 and get ready for 2018. She talked about the value of putting yourself out there and being visible and not just waiting for opportunities to kind of come come to you. I found out that she is a fellow lover of hip hop, a fellow, you know, past ball player like myself. So we vibed on a lot of different levels. She is a believer. She is truly a professional, very, very cool, down to earth. And I had such a great time talking with her. And I really think that there are a lot of different things that you'll be able to take out of this conversation with Minda today. Follow her at Minda Hearts, and that's H-A-R-T-S. There'll be a link to her all her social media in the show notes for this week's episode. You can view those show notes at how does she do it podcast.com. You can also check out the memo at my weekly memo on Instagram and Twitter. And she puts out great content. She has a great vibe, great story, and really a heart for helping women and women of color in particular advance in their careers in corporate America. So enjoy this episode, get a pen and paper out or put out your little Evernote or your notes app on your phone and get ready to catch them gems and those major keys that Minda drops. And I look forward to connecting at the end of the episode. Minda, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of How Does She Do It? I'm excited to be here, Tiffany. Thanks for having me. 
My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm glad that we were able to get, I know that you are a very busy woman. I'm glad we were able to get this, this scheduled, um, you know, and I'm sure, you know, if you, you've listened to my podcast before and the tagline is kind of practical insight and honest perspective on being grown. So you are a, well, before I kind of launch into my questions, just tell our audience a little bit about you kind of where you are right now, and then we'll kind of jump into our conversation. Yeah, no, that's great. And I'm a big fan of the podcast. So, you know, I like to say like on my Twitter handle, um, California born, Chicago raised, New York state of mind. Uh, I currently live in New York city and, uh, you know, I, I sp- I've kind of bounced around a little bit and I think to build your career, sometimes you have to take those risks and leave and chart into new territory. And so, um, I've always gone after the risk and I am, you know, I'm seeing it pay off in, in dividends. And so, uh, first generation college student, oldest of three kids. Um, you know, so that that's who I am rooted and grounded in faith and uh, just learning and living every day. Oh, that is awesome. So I like that you say you have a New York state of mind. I am from New York. I'm from Long Island. And I have in my um, in my Twitter bio, it says Philly with the New York state of mind. So I definitely feel you on <laughs> uh, feel you on that. So you mentioned having to go after the risk and kind of move a bit. You've moved around the country a little bit. What are some of those risks that you have that you have had to take in order to kind of see yourself grow kind of professionally and personally? Yeah, you know, one of the things I think as being a first generation college student, uh, my family, you know, great family, uh, but they didn't always have the business acumen to give me advice in that direction. And so I just had to do a little trial by fire uh, in some regard to see what would work and see what wouldn't work. And so, for example, my first job um, after college, uh, maybe about a not my quite my first job. I'll, I'll, so my first job after college, I was an administrative assistant. And I realized that this is definitely not the work I want to be doing forever. Uh, it's a very special uh, place, but I, I saw myself doing something a little bit different. And so, you know, sometimes we have to work in a place for a season. And so while I was getting my soft skills and my hard skills together in that administrative assistant job, I found um, a consulting firm that was taking recently um, graduated college students and teaching them how to be consultants in the fundraising world. And um, I I found this uh, online on back then, and I might be dating myself, Tiffany, but it was like hot jobs or monster or something like that. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, it was in Henderson, Nevada, right outside of Las Vegas. And I remember telling my parents, you know, I went through this round of interviews and everything was via a predated Skype. It wasn't Skype back then, but it was some other type of thing. And, um, I took it and I didn't know if I'd be selling vacuum cleaners when I got to Las Vegas, you know, I never stepped foot inside of the office and everybody was like, Minda, don't do it. You know, who knows what's going to happen. I had about $200 in my pocket and I went to Nevada and I haven't looked back since. Wow. That is awesome. And so you mentioned being um, being a woman of faith and being rooted in your faith and to go somewhere that you had never sight unseen when people are telling you not to go and with, you know, a little money in your pocket, how did, 
what was your faith journey like at that point? If you, um, you know, if you had one, because I, I know in my own development that my faith journey hasn't always been what it is now. So were you kind of using, leaning on your faith, so to speak, to kind of get you through that transition? I'd like to say that I was so spiritually inclined back then that I was leaning on my faith, but um, I, I was prayerful, right? Because again, I didn't want to be like selling vacuum cleaners in the back of a grocery store or something like that. So I definitely was like, Lord, I'm taking a risk. I need you to be there with me because if something does go awry, I don't have much money, probably not even enough to get back home, you know, so mm. this has to work. And, um, and everything was in alignment with it. And sometimes even though, um, we, like you said, sight unseen, uh, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but in my gut, I felt like it was the right move. And I said, you know, even if it fails, at least I took the chance. I'll never have to wonder what if. Absolutely. And that, that's a, that's a really powerful lesson because I know that we, I think living with regret is a really, is a big fear, um, at least that I have. And so thinking about your, the professional risks that you have taken, you are the co-founder of an organization and of a platform called the memo. So you, so you took, go from Nevada to, you know, working as a consultant in the fundraising kind of industry to now being a full-time entrepreneur. Tell, un, let's unpack that a little bit. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing now and kind of, and then we're going to, we'll go, we'll dig, dig into it a little bit more. Yeah. You know, for 12 years, I worked as a fundraising consultant for universities and colleges. So I was an on-site consultant. So I worked on-site at, you know, colleges like UCLA, Duke, University of Texas at Austin. So I've pretty much lived out of a hotel and a suitcase for long periods of time. And um, so I was always in a new space. Uh, so I learned very quickly how to adapt and be flexible. And I think as women, um, it's important to have that as a skill set. Uh, but you know, doing that for 12 years, one thing I realized that I was often the only woman of color in the room, pretty 99.9% of the time. Uh, rather, I was at a client meeting, um, a donor meeting, all of those things. And I realized that working really hard, I did get a seat at the table, but I realized there weren't other women that looked like me and uh, they didn't have the access to, to get to the table. And so I wanted to create the memo as a platform to help women of color prepare for their seat at the table. You know, sometimes we get to the table and we don't even know what we should be doing there or what we should say. And so our hope at the memo is to help, you know, uh, with certain skills that we might need to brush up on, or if we've been out of the industry for a while, you know, learn the new trends. So a space for us by us. Mm. A little FUBU action there. That might be, I might be <laughs> dating myself as well, but I'm going to join you right in it. You know, we're, we're seasoned yes. millennials as one of my, <laughs> one of my friends talks about on the podcast, we're the older millennials. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I love that you, that you were in a situation professionally where you, you were growing, you were traveling, you were, you know, you were at the table, but the recognition that you were one of if not the only one of very few. And that seems to have driven kind of your desire to now then create something that helps other women of color. So when you think about like what noticing that, like what makes challenges, what makes our challenges, women of color's challenges at work different than other women and other people in the workplace? Yeah, I think for starters, you know, I think when you see yourself success, when you see other people that look like you in a quote unquote successful position, that does something to you. It does something for you. You know, working 12 years as a consultant, 
I didn't, I worked so hard that I didn't even realize that I never had a mentor or a sponsor that looked like me. And I think, wow, how much more amazing or, um, a force would I have been if I had someone that looked like me that, that could, you know, say, Hey, Minda, look at it this way. Or, you know, maybe I wouldn't have had too many scraped knees along the way because I would have had somebody who'd already been there and done that. And they could help me, um, get back on the right track. And so I want more women of color to see themselves at the table. And I think that's powerful when you, when you see it and you don't always have to be the first one, but you can be, um, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen that one. I think it's like a gift that it's different women pulling each other up. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that I see, uh, the memos platform is, you know, one of the big things is having a great network and access to a great network. And so if we're all building community, then we're helping each other. And then we're remembering, Oh, I know my, sister, you know, she has this skill set. So when an opportunity comes along, we can let her know. And I think just getting in that mindset for, you know, women helping women. I love that. And I think that that's something that, you know, there's, there's a lot of, I guess, reality TV makes black women, um, look like we are always ready to fight each other. Mm-hmm. And and what I know about you and what I know about your organization, what I know about women that I associate with is that it's really the opposite. And so we're also seeing at the same time, it's, it's like these two juxtaposed um, representations of us. You see now a very intentional effort for us to bring, to, to be together with each other and to support and network with each other. And then there's still this presentation of us in the media that makes it seem like we're always you know, going back and forth. How do you see, and in, in the work that you do and kind of in, in the work that you do with your platform, how do you address the kind of, some of the stereotypes that there are that exist about Black women that we carry with us and that we have to now combat when we go into the workplace or even as we network with other Black women? Yeah, you know, on the platform- women of color, I should say. Yeah, definitely. Well, on the platform, we I'm very intentional about the language that we use. And I think you do have to address, to your point, that <laughs> there are different sides of us, right? As women of color. And so particularly with black women on television and in the culture, we are seeing, you know, the really black girl magic and she's winning in the office, but then we're seeing more of this fighting and, um, you know, reality show, um, part of us. And so I, I talk about that, you know, this platform is for women who want to help other women who aren't, if, if, if you're winning Tiffany, then I'm winning. You know what I mean? If I'm winning, then you're winning. There's not this, there can only be one of us mentality. And so I really impress upon the women that we all, there's all space for us to be winners. And I think that's part of that whole reality TV. There has to be a winner and there can only be one queen bee. Right? So I think the more we talk about it and the more we show examples of women helping women, then it becomes the norm. But I think it's going to take a little bit of time for people to see it, to believe it. Absolutely. And I think that that's so important is that we have to, there's the, there, like you said, there's this idea that there's only one pie, but there are like a billion pies, right? <laughs> and we can all have our own pie in our own lane and still help other people get their, get their peace. So can you give me an example of something that you, that you do in what, what are some of the services that you offer kind of on your platform for, um, for women? Yes. Yeah, so our main product is our career boot camp, and and Tiffany, you've um, been a facilitator at one of our career boot camps. But um, 
one of the things that we know is that we all need to brush up on our on our skill set every now and then. And so rather it's salary negotiation to career transitioning to business etiquette, you know, what fork do you need to use at a business lunch or dinner? Some of the things that we just may not know. And so we offer a wide range of career boot camps just to help you kickstart your career and make you feel more comfortable um, being your authentic self in the workplace and moving forward. So, it, so you provide this platform for women who pours into you because you sound like you have a lot of different things going on. You are, um, you know, you're, you're very visible online and, and you're, you're doing these, these, uh, boot camps regularly. How do you like take care of yourself? How do you, you know, develop your skill sets? What are some of the things that you do to kind of continue to grow as you try to help other, help other women? That's a great question. And, and I'm a big advocate of investing in yourself. That's like my <laughs> mantra uh, that I tell the, the memo community. And I like to preach it too. So I'll, I'm quick to um, go to a, you know, a weekend workshop or uh, most recently I'm enrolled in a public speaking course because you know, that's something that we all can just continuously improve upon. And so um, I'm also doing some writing workshops. Uh, so I think that we can never um, count ourselves out and, and the trends are constantly changing. So I don't want to be one of those people, um, that are behind the curb, uh, or talking about like 1999 stuff when it's 2017. (laughs) So so I got to stay up on it too. And because I am at that, you know, that cusp of being probably to some, uh, young, young adults, uh, old that I got to stay up on it, you know, so (laughs) it's important for me too. I want to continue to hone my craft and be a better leader. And so, um, you know, a lot of different workshops, weekend workshops or online trainings, I'm, I'm definitely invested in those as well. That's awesome. And I think that we, the investing in yourself piece, I've, I've been doing this little Facebook, um, video series and I've been taking a different letter of the alphabet to, and then coming up with a phrase related to that letter. And my last, the last phrase I did was improvement requires investment. And Mm -hmm. so when you talk about investment, are you, is it, is it financial investment? Is it time? Is it resources? Like what kind of investments out there? Cause I think a lot of people are hesitant when something costs money, then they're just like, Oh no, I can't spend money on this. But then they, you know, they have the new J's that came out a couple of days ago. So like what, you know, what kind of investments and how do you, how do you get your mind around being willing to and beginning to make those investments in yourself? That's a great question. And I think we all battle with that because there's certain things that we have a budget for, uh, I, last year I ended up, I was on the edge. There was this global leadership program at Stanford. I'm sorry, at um, Harvard. And it was so, it was so expensive. And I kept saying to myself, you know, I, I need to go to this. This will be great. It's for entrepreneurs. Um, but it, you know, that dollar sign just kept me like, mm-hmm. uh, really, really like, I don't know what to do. So long story short, I, I thought about what I, talk and write about, about investing in yourself. And sometimes that requires you to put a little money forward, because if you want someone to invest in you, you want them to give your best, you want to come with your best. And so I had to take that risk and say, you know what, I'm going to figure out how to invest in myself in this way, because I know the return is going to help me in so many more ways. So sometimes you have to put forth a little skin in the game to reap the benefit so that you can be the best you. And so, and then on not just monetarily, but then in time, I'm 
making sure that I'm going to the gym. I'm making sure that I take some, some me time or pick a day, one of the seven days and have a Sabbath. Because also if I'm talking about investing in myself, then I have to make sure that my body is up for the task, you know? So if I'm out here killing it, but I am sick all the time, then, <laughs> then it's all for not, you know? So I think we have to look at our body holistically and, and know that there's different facets that we have to feed. And um, that's how I look at it. I love that. And I think you're, when you said that you listened, you looked at the the kind of advice and information that you provide to other people and how, and basically you have to walk what you talk and, and, and walk it in a, in a holistic way. And I love that you, that you talk about taking a day of rest and having to slow down. And that is something that I am so good for running through seven days. You know, I'll stay up until, you know, um, I, I get up a, a very early in the morning. I won't, I keep putting my on blast. I wake up <laughs> four or five o'clock in the morning to go to the gym. I stay up, um, you know, later than I should to, you know, and then sometimes I work through the weekend and do the same thing. And it's just like, you have to take that day of rest. So you mentioned, you use the word Sabbath. So I want to pin, I have, so I'm like, you should see my page of notes here. I have like a hundred <laughs> things going on here, but I want to go back to the, to Sabbath. When you say that, cause that word has different meanings to different people, but what does that look like for you when it comes to you taking a day and taking a beat to kind of slow down and, and, and recharge? Yeah. You know, I have to be honest and say that I am definitely a workhorse. I've been that for as long as I've known myself. <laughs> and so it's really hard for me to slow down, but uh, in all transparency earlier this year, I had like, um, I had a unfavorable diagnosis and the doctor said, you know, you're doing too much. And if you keep doing this, then, um, it's going to lead to a place that you don't want to be. And so it really shook me up because I'm like, you know, I can do all this great work, but if I'm not here to see it, then what, what am I doing to myself? And so I've really been intentional about changing my diet, getting enough rest. And I actually function much better for it. And so my Sabbath is not typically, I typically work almost every day, but I might take a Sabbath maybe on a Friday night and maybe stop working at five and just enjoy the evening where I don't check my email. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not doing that. Or maybe in the morning I might take a Sabbath from like nine to noon. So I pick just certain times in the week where it's just for me. Um, or I'm watching a show or I'm reading a book. Like I'm just doing something that requires me just to enjoy the time and, and ponder and think. And so um, that's kind of where I am. So Sabbath really is just a time of rest and a time to listen to what, you know, God might be saying to me or just, you know, finding time just to think on, on the week because sometimes we're rushing and doing so much that we don't even have time to think about what we're doing. <laughs> so, uh, it's important just to take a beat. That's so true. And I actually just read an article last week that talked about how the taking intentional times of silence actually like helps our brain develop the ideas and things that we have been thinking about. Because if we're just going, 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 like our, our brain has to take time to kind of put the different neurological fancy connection things that it does. And if we're always get, taking things in and never letting it, letting it sit, then we're, it's almost like we're not even, we're not even getting the value, the best value out of the time that we're putting in and out of the information that we're learning. Um, I'm glad that you have kind of, you've taken that time for yourself and, um, and, and, and are, are being more intentional about that. Yeah, absolutely. So when you think about, uh, one of the things that you said earlier was you 
you mentioned how when you were in your career, you thought about how if there were women, if there were other women of color, if there were other people who could share in some of your experiences or perspective that were in your profession, how much further along you could have been or you might have been able to develop even with the success that you had in your career. When, can, when you talk about like mentors or, and I, I'm hearing there's a conversation around mentors, sponsors, advocates, what does it mean to, to, to how do you find a mentor? How do you find someone who can who be willing to pour into you as you develop in your career? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think there's a lot, uh, definitely a lot of talk around mentors and sponsors. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough (laughs) in corporate America to have really great sponsors and mentors. They didn't look like me and that's fine because good advice is good advice. But when it came down to, you know, the conscious or unconscious biases that I would experience being the only person of color, I could never talk to them about it in a way that they would ever understand, um, my plight. And so, I worked really hard and he, and a, a mentor of mine once said, you know, whenever someone asks you to do something, say yes. And I don't know that I would give that, that advice to anyone else now, because I think I ran myself into the ground saying yes so much. But when I had the opportunity presented to me, I definitely rose to the occasion. And so, um, one thing that helped me is I call it doing rounds. Um, I worked on a floor where our, I guess you would say our, vice president worked on the same floor as me. And so whenever he would, um, have a standing appointment and I knew I would time it just right when his door would open, um, and someone else was leaving a meeting with him that I would walk around and just say hi, you know, because I wanted him to see my face and, um, eventually just him seeing my face turned into small conversations. And over time they turned into longer conversations. And eventually I just, you know, kind of did shoot my shot with him and asked him, you know what, I'd love to find some time just to chat with you and ask you some questions. And, and from there, that's how we built our relationship. But I had to put myself out there, you know, no one's going to come and tap you on the shoulder nine times out of 10 and say, Hey, I want to sponsor you. I want to advocate for you. (laughs) So, um, sometimes you have to put yourself out there. And so he was a sponsor for me when different Uh, opportunities came up. He nominated me. He would put me on committees when it came time for a salary negotiation. He pushed me to ask for more. And then I had mentors who weren't able to make the same, um, power moves like him, but they gave me really great advice, you know, on like what power suits I should be wearing or, um, you know, how to draft up a, a professional email. So everybody, um, I call it the bench. You need some, you need a bench. You need people who are on your team that are going to help you and, um, throw the ball to you and, and help you make assist essentially and help you make those layups. So, um, they might be your peers. They might be someone in your office. They might be someone in another department, but I think you need a few different players on your team. I love that. Are you a ball player? I was back in the day, girl. <laughs> Hey, I, I was like, she had to play ball. Ain't no woman out here talking about no bench. And I played, what position did you play? I was a point guard because I'm short. You know, I had no choice. That's all they gave me. But, you know, I did what I could do. All right, listen, point guard is, that's the that's the, the captain of the ship yes. right there, man. Nothing starts without the point guard. I played power forward and um, and center. So I, I that, that that analogy is very, very close to my, you should see how big I'm smiling right now. Um, 
So I love that you need different you need different people on your bench. And then you made the distinction between sponsor and mentor. And I think that like your your sponsor, it sounds like is someone who had some sort of kind of influence within the organization, within the team that could get you certain types of opportunities. And the mentors are people who kind of advise you as it relates to said opportunities. Is that a fair kind of characterization? You hit it on the head. Yes. Okay. So at so who else is on who's on your bench right now? Like who are the people that are on your in on your team kind of professionally and and personally right now? You know, I, I'm glad that you asked that because for me it's funny. Um, you know, when young women will come to the memo and they'll say, Oh, I want you to be my mentor or those sorts of things. I, I'm always flattered, but uh, what I tell them is like, I'm, I'm in the same position as you. I'm always looking for a good mentor too. And, and so I think that, and also I say this too, I think it's someone, you should also have someone younger than you on your bench because, you know, they keep you fresh and in the know too. And so for me, you know, I drafted, I had a lot of mentors in my head, I guess you could say, but I do have some legit, um, mentors that I do know, but, um, I take a little bit of everything from different people, you know, like I'll watch you, how you move. And I say, okay, I like that. I see what she's doing. Uh, I'll see, um, a good author friend of mine, you know, as I'm working on a book and she's already been published, then I talk to her about, you know, what it's like, what are the pitfalls? What are the, you know, how can I overcome certain conversations? Um, and then, but most recently I found that I have a lot of business mentors, um, but I didn't have that spiritual guidance. And most recently I've really been focused on making sure that I have a spiritual mentor because you can be wrapped up in all this success, success and have all of this great, um, advice. But what my mother always told me, um, <laughs> you can have the whole world and, and lose your soul. And so, um, that's been most important to me, find those good spiritual mentors. Oh, that's, that's excellent. And I think that it's, it, that speaks to kind of what we talked about earlier about making sure that we're covered as whole people, as Mm -hmm. whole women, um, because it's so easy to project, um, and just, and live in the business, in the work, in the work persona, in the, you know, in the, I'm just this one person in this particular way, but we have to think about who we are because at the end of the day, you go home and you're Minda through and through, Mm -hmm. I'm Tiffany through and through, and I need to make sure I'm being poured into and I'm being filled in in all areas of my life. And I think that, like you said, it sounds like you've taken, you've identified those things that you need and then go out and then seek that kind of information and that kind of support for your for your team, so to speak. Absolutely. I, I like what, um, I think Issa Rae said it recently that sometimes we're always looking for you know, the Oprah type to be our mentor. But if we look across at our peers, we can all be really great mentors. And I think we have to look at that more closely because, you know, the reality is a lot of the Oprah's of the world just don't have time to sit down and have coffee, you know, (laughs) but, but, um, other people can, and they have just as good of information. And I, I think we have to just be flexible in terms of what our mentors and sponsors look like. Absolutely. And I love that because I think that we, because we can, because the people who are quote unquote successful by however you define success, because they're so visible now in a, it's easy to be like, oh, I want to be and to connect with that person. And it's important to kind of make those connections. But our peers, like you and I, we connected because we are running in a, we're doing very similar, like related work because we have a heart for women and we have a heart for career advancement 
advancement and making sure that people have the tools that they need. And like you said, we have as much to gain from each other as we might be able to gain. And we, you know what I mean? We, I'm not going to be able to connect with Oprah, you know, tomorrow. <laughs> I would, I love to, I've been speaking to Oprah's name for a long time, but you know what I mean? You and I have, have the opportunity to put each other on to our respective platforms and, and get each other out there. So I think that that's a, that's a really important point. One of the things that I wanted to, to, to ask you is what are some of the, the myths that you see associated with or that you've come across associated with progressing in corporate America? Yeah, you know, so <laughs> I think the myth uh, that I've seen is that there aren't any seats for us at the table. And I think that, yes, systematically, there are some barriers that that hold us back. Um, but one of the myths I would say is that we're not good enough as black and brown women uh, to be at these tables. And I think sometimes because we don't see ourselves at the table or there's barriers within our organizations that uh, won't promote us, this, that, and the other. But I think we have to remind ourselves that because there are systematic mechanisms in place that we are good enough and that we do belong there. And it may not be that table. I think there's this big thing about a seat at the table, but I think we have to be really introspective and realize what tables we should be at because some of them don't deserve us to be at those tables. <laughs> and so, and, and then too, mm. you, you read a lot of women's um, periodicals about, you know, just be more confident and just, you know, be one of the boys or whatever have you. And I think we can't always buy into that. Just be more confident. Like you can be as confident as you want to be, but if your um, environment is not for you, it's not for you. And I think we have to just realize um, that again, investing in ourselves and seeing ourselves as the beautifully and wonderfully made women that we are, that sometimes we, it's okay to walk away. And so I don't know if that's answering the question, but I think just the myths of that we're we have to work. We do have to work 10 times harder, but I think we also, the myth is that we can't make a, a decision to go somewhere else. And I think sometimes we have to, you know, look at all sides and see if this is the right table for us to sit at. I love that. And that absolutely answered the question. I think just like, girl, do you want to be at that table? Like that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? like, that's, that's exactly how I heard. I'm like, do you want to be at that table? Or maybe we should start making our own table, mm -hmm. right? Which is, exactly what you're doing as a, as a founder and as a, as an entrepreneur, but like, yeah, that, I love the way you put that. Like, do we even, yeah, we want to see it at the table, but is that the right table for you? Are you in the organization that's actually going to be the one that's going to help you progress or have you gotten everything you can get here? And maybe your seat is at another, is at a table at another organization or at another company. So I love, I love the way you put that. Yeah, um, no, definitely. So now that you are, you've, you founded your company, you're running it, you're running it full time. What are some of the things that you're, some of the challenges that like adulting challenges that you are, com that you're kind of coming across as you're navigating this new ish space that you're in and, and on your rise to, to excellence and stardom with your memo? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know it kind of sounds cliche, but I think when you do start your own company and people start to call you an expert in something, you do feel a bit of imposter syndrome, you know? Um, so for me, it's, uh, I can't be everything to all black and brown women, but what I am learning to do is just continue to be Minda. And I think that sometimes I want to be like, not that I want to be other things, but I just want to, 
I, I almost get scared sometimes because I'm, I'm like, I'm just a, I'm just a woman just like you, you know, and I have maybe some insight, but you know, there are various ways that we advance in our career and my methodology is just one of them. And so I don't ever want to come across being preachy or that I know all the answers. And so, um, for me, I, I always battle with that because I, I do a lot of speaking, but I'm very conscious of, I don't want to be like, I'm not trying to be your mama, you know, <laughs> like I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be like that big sis. I gave you some tips and you, you, you go forth and, and slay or not, you know? So for mm-hmm. me, it's just being in that space, you know, being in corporate America, you just, I worked really hard and, and through grace and mercy somehow, um, you know, found some levels of success. And then, um, you only have like that success kind of in a bubble. And then now being in, as an entrepreneur, you know, there's people who will email you and say, Oh, I love this content. I love the boot camp. It was really great. Then you'll have people who will email you and be like, you know what? You didn't put a comma in that the last sentence of your last newsletter, you know, so you, you get all in your mind. <laughs> and I have to remind myself that, okay, Minda, regardless of some of these things, keep pushing because you're, you're helping a lot of people. And I think you just, you get so much advice thrown at you and some of it's good and some of it's bad, but just remembering just to stay focused. Mm. That is so real. And that imposter syndrome, it is like, it is the thing that I I think I'm pushing through a lot. And I think that a lot of us have to, especially because when, you know, when you believe in, when you have faith in God and you kind of have an awareness of the promises and the things that he says, like you mentioned earlier, being we're fearfully and wonderfully made and we are, you know, joint heirs in Christ and all these things. And then you show up and somebody sends you an email talking about a comma and it's just like, come on, like, you know what I mean? Like, how am I supposed to do this? And like, and just to be, to be so cognizant, I'm reading the, uh, the Hollywood commandments now by Devon Franklin. And one of the things that he talks about is, is having a talent mentality and, and basically really walking and owning, even in those moments of doubt and fear, just remembering how great you are because of the evidence that you already have. And I think that that's the way that I, whenever, when I have those moments, which there are plenty of them in the, especially (laughs) as a late, you know, is really just being like, okay, I feel like this now, but what do I know to be true? What do I know to be true about the God that I serve and the, and the fruit that I have already produced and, and the work that I'm putting in to see other, to see other things happen. Yeah. uh, Amen, sister. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of fruit, you, you have a quote on your, on your uh, website that says your hustle should eventually turn into your harvest. And I love that. Can you tell me a little bit about like, what, what does that mean to you when you, when you kind of came up with that, that wisdom and those bars, what was, (laughs) what does that mean to you? Yeah. It's so funny. Um, I, you know, on the off times, I, I think that sometimes in my former life, I was, uh, an MC. And so I, <laughs> I like to dabble in, in bars sometimes, but, uh, for me, I just realized, you know, as entrepreneurs, people always say hustle, hustle hard and the grind. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you can hustle hard, but eventually you got to see the fruit. And <laughs> so you can plant all these seeds, but eventually your hustle should turn into a harvest. If, if you're being obedient, if you're sowing the right seeds. And so, um, that's what I, I, re, I just go back to that biblical, the biblical principles about sowing seeds. So if I'm hustling and sowing my seeds and eventually it should be profitable. And so, um, that's where I got that. And I think that 
as long, no matter what you're doing, whether you're an entrepreneur or you, you know, have a child, uh, home care child facility, you're planting seeds each and every day. And eventually those seeds will grow and they will harvest if you just keep, you know, plowing the till and, and cultivating those seeds. And so for me, I just, even when I feel like I don't see the sprouts or I don't see the growth, eventually I know it's got to happen because that's the principle. That's the way it works. Absolutely. That is, that is true. And, um, I think I love that you, I don't know why I have this feeling that Jay-Z might be one of your favorite rappers. <laughs> yes. I'm, yes. You read me. I, right. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the, the spirit I'm getting right now because I too like to think I have a, a few bars. And so I, I appreciate your, um, I appreciate that. And I think that you're, it's like, you might not be able to see, you just said that you might not see the sprout right away, but if you're continuing to be diligent about the, the effort and being obedient and, and pouring into the thing that you are committed to and that you are called to do when you're following the direction that you, you see that the things start to show up and things start to reveal themselves, even when you don't necessarily seek out those opportunities. I saw you put up on Instagram over the weekend, you were, you were speaking, you were on a panel related to Bitcoin. Is that right? <laughs> Yes. Girl, <laughs> tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> I, I laugh because um, I I always say that God has a sense of humor <laughs> because um, I it's funny, you know, and again, sometimes your your harvest may not be monetary. It may be things that other items of harvest. And so um, a few months ago, I wrote this piece for Forbes and um, and then some gentleman from the UK had reached out to me and said, you know, I really like what you're talking about. I like your platform. There's a woman, um, a lady, uh, in Bristol who is, would love to, I, I want to connect you. So long story short, he connected me to this lady <laughs> who was a former lady in Bristol, um, uh, UK. And she, we connected long, uh, even a longer story short, she uh, was doing a seminar here in or in New York City at Fordham University. And she's like, you know what? I like your platform. Why don't you be on my panel? I'm going to be talking about <laughs> Bitcoin. And I said to her, you know, I'm like, listen, Lady Bamford, I don't know anything about Bitcoin. <laughs> I don't know about blockchain. And she's like, well, you got a month to figure it out. And <laughs> said, she's like, this is going to be great for you. You have to, she's like, you know, women of color are not in the space. She's like, so craft it from that perspective. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to, I am an expert in being a woman of color. And so then I'm going to read about it and figure out where are we missing in the piece of the puzzle. And once I didn't try to be a Bitcoin expert, I didn't try to be a blockchain expert, but I spoke about how women of color need to have a seat at the table if we are creating new currency and what that looks like. And so again, the message, my message stayed the same and I didn't try to be something that I wasn't, but I used that initially. I was like, Oh heck no, I don't want, I don't know anything about this. Count me out. But it was at Fordham's business school. Um, and it, it was a really great uh, opportunity and we made, I made it through <laughs> the panel discussion. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes you got to just say yes. And, but again, I didn't try to be something that I, excuse me, wasn't on that stage. I kept it. My voice is always advancing women of color. And that's the the lens that I spoke from and it resonated. And so that's, those are those opportunities that you never know. The chain reaction brought me to Bitcoin. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The chain reaction got you to the blockchain. <laughs> like I just, that is like, I love that because you, you, like you said, you were not, so many principles just came out of what you just said. You did not try to be 
who you weren't, but you were already prepared in the sense that your platform has already been established. You people can clearly see based on what they, when they look you up online, they know what you're about. They know what's important to you. And when you walk authentically in that purpose, in the thing that you are gifted to do and talk about, then opportunities present themselves even where you cannot expect them to. Like you wouldn't have been like, oh, I want to be on this panel about Bitcoin, but <laughs> that opportunity showed up and you were ready for it by the time the panel happened. That's so dope. And you know, what's even more doper, um, Tiffany, is that this woman had never met me. She just, I mean, the gentleman that introduced me to her, he never met me. <laughs> so all of this was just a, a digital footprint. And they just, I mean, she is a well-renowned woman in the UK and she took a chance on me. And, and I give it all the glory to God because for some woman that's never met me to put me on stage with her and talk about something that I didn't really know much about. Uh, it's only God, those God moments, right? Word, yeah. word, word, word. And I think that you, t- you talked about to our mutual friend, Stephen Hart, the digital footprint. He's so big on, on that. And I think that there is, you know, for, for everyone listening, figure out what your digital print footprint looks like right now. Because if you are, if you are someone who wants to be known for something, if your digital footprint is pointing people in 25 different directions, or it just doesn't really exist, that's just something for you to be conscious of. And, and it, it, it shows Minda is a great example of how when you are consistent and you're showing up and doing things that, you know, people will recognize you, people who don't know you from literally across the pond are putting (laughs) you on panels. So that is, that is an awesome testimony right there. Word. (laughs) (laughs) Drops the mic. Um, So you mentioned earlier that you're working on a book. Is that something you can talk a little bit more about now? Or is it too like, is it too early to talk about? It's too early to talk about, but uh, we're in negotiations right now. And so uh, just, you know, if you think about me, just, you know, send up a little prayer uh, that the, that the right publishing house, um, you know, buys the book and and we move forward. But again, it's all about advancing women of color. That's what I'm here for. That's what I feel like um, the next phase of life is for me. And and I'm so happy that I found uh, this purpose-driven um, platform to be able to do that. And so everything I do, I, I say, you ask me what I do and who I do it for. It's for us. Mm. That's, it. that's it. I love it. You asked me, but I feel like that's another song right there. That's, a, <laughs> that's I, I'm not even going to quote, I'm not going to call it, but it, there's, there's a song. That's a there's song. There's a song. I'm not, I don't get <laughs> I, I'm not going to say who, but <laughs> I know exactly. I, I can hear it in my, I can hear it in my, and I hear the beat dropping and everything. But anyway, that's yes. a whole nother, that's another part. We might have to do just an episode on like dope hip hop and like, and like, you have you, do you listen to Christian hip hop? This is an off, off topic. You know yeah. what? Um, growing up I did because that was the only type of hip hop my parents would allow, but, <laughs> but as I've grown older, um, my brother, he is actually a Christian rapper. Uh, his name is Mike Swag. He's Google him, but um, but I don't know a lot of the Christian rappers out there today. So I, you might have to send me a list of of who's hot because my recollection is like DC talk and and things like that, and that's like yeah. super old school. Yeah, I'm gonna send you some stuff because I because I love hip hop so much. I have been on this like chase for really dope. Um, you know, faith-based Christian, uh, faith-based hip-hop music. And there are some, I'll send you some, and I'll put some links into the show notes, uh, show notes of this week's episode. I would love that. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I got you, girl. I got you. Um, <laughs> so before we, before we wrap up, I have, I always have, I want to ask you, do you have a favorite quote 
or scripture that you is something that you kind of that kind of gets you through or something that you reference or you share with people often it can be it can be a quote it can be a scripture it can be both okay I have both I'll make it fast um but recently a new scripture that is not common it's very you know we all know it It, it's very common to us but the 23rd psalms but something about it in this year in this season really spoke to me and I'm always reminded that the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want so even when I feel like I, I, I'm just, you know, don't have access to this or that, or I'm in want, I have to remind myself that, that he is my shepherd. I shall not want, and he's with me and he guides me and he leads me. And, and when I marinate on that scripture, it just makes me feel good. And so I, I keep that at, at the top of my list. And then, um, an, a quote that I really like is by James Baldwin and it's, uh, and not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until faced. Mm. And I think we have to, I mean, that sums it up. That speaks for itself. And so, you know, sometimes it's, again, taking that risk, but we have to sometimes face those hard things for change. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing those. And the the last question that I like to ask, well, one second to last question that I always ask is if someone asked, how does Minda do it? What is one value or habit that you could share that gives insight into your success? I would say people probably say I'm just really resilient. Um, if, if I hear no, I always figure out a way to make it a yes. And it may not be from that person that told me no, but um, I never let no stop me from getting to where I need to be. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very, very resilient from a very young age. Um, you know, I was a three pound premature baby and I've been pushing ever since. And that's just in my DNA. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how can our, um, how can the listeners get in touch with you and find you on these here internets? Yes, I am on the nets. Um, I'm most active on Twitter. So, um, at Minda hearts, uh, you can go to myweeklymemo.com and check us out there or mindahearts.com, uh, on my personal site, but, um, you can find me I'm there. All right. And I will put links to all of your your social media and your websites uh, onto the show notes for this week's episode. But I want to thank you so very much for being on this week's episode of How Does She Do It? And I hope that we will have another conversation in the future because you are dope. And I want to, I could talk to you like all night, like honestly. <laughs> I know, I'm sad. I'm like, are we done? Are you sure it's been an hour? I think the time is off. No, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Minda Hartz. It was a very real conversation, and I think she shared so many different great lessons as we think about developing in our careers as women. One of my favorite things that she said was making a decision about the table that you're sitting at. You know, we talk a lot about getting a seat at the table, but that assumes that this is the table that we actually want to be at. So have you taken time to decide that, the seat that you're trying to get is at the right table for you? Is it the right company? Is it the right role? Is it the right position? And that's exactly the kind of question and conversation that I have with my clients in how she elevates. We talk about the strengths that we have. We talk about the faith that we have, the identity that we have in our faith. And when you own your story, when you have a strong identity in your faith, then you can access levels of success that you can't even begin to imagine. And I think what Minda talked about a lot was when you take time to to reflect on the rooms that you're in, then
then you can decide, well, which moves do I need to make? What kinds of people do I need to access? What kinds of conversations do I need to have? Who do I need on my bench? So I hope that you all are figuring out who's on your bench, who you need to get on your bench as we close out 2017 and get ready to go in 2018. But I'm not done with you yet. I have a few more episodes to go before we hit the end of this year. And I am grateful for you. Thank you for listening to episode 52 of How Does She Do It? Until next time, be blessed and be a blessing. Peace.